0: Hi, this is Kane Hansen. I'm a senior software engineer at MongoDB working on Realm. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Stay tuned to learn more about MongoDB and the JavaScript SDKs for Realm. And it's a mobile database that's very intuitive for the people using it because it's not wrapping some other tabular database or some other store. It's basically... As a programmer, you the way you interact with it is you get objects, store data and properties, and you use it as, as you would be using any other object that is there at runtime. And that's a very different way of working with the database than what we're used to.
1: Welcome back to the show. Today is yet another in the series on Realm SDKs. If you're following along, in episode 42, we spoke with Jason Flax, all about the Realm Mobile for iOS SDK. Episode 45, we talked with Christian Melchior, about Realm Mobile for Android. In episode 61, we chatted with Nikola Irinchev and discussed the .NET SDK. Today, Shane McAllister returns, leads a discussion with Crane Hansen, developer on the JavaScript SDK. We learn all about the background, how this JavaScript SDK came to be, why you, as a mobile developer, might be interested in leveraging this SDK, how you might go about doing that. Stay tuned, I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Shane, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you on the
2: show again. What's going on today? Well, this today is very interesting because we, we've we been doing this over the past probably six or seven months in trying to sneak in a podcast with members and senior engineers of the Realm SDK teams. And this is essentially our last, but certainly by no means least, SDK that we have here today. So I'm delighted that we're joined by Crane Hansen who is the senior software engineer for our JavaScript SDKs. So, you know, we've got a wide audience listening to this podcast. I, in my view anyway, consider the JavaScript SDKs as probably one of the hardest SDKs because you've got so many people to please. It can be used in so many varied ways. So really, really excited to have Crane join us today. Welcome Crane. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. Welcome. Good. So we've, we've, as I said, we've done a number of these and what I like to do, and I think I need to be consistent because we've done it to every other person who's appeared on the Realm version of the podcast, is to essentially take us back to what your first phone was, because we use this in a kind of quirky way to, to date you, to understand where you sit in the mobile ecosystem.
0: First off, I think it's good for me to say I'm all caught up with the podcast episodes. I've listened to all of them and I, I really enjoy them. So I know the drill. Um, <laughs> I prepared a bit uh, for for the phone part, at least. I want to say like a trick uh, answer. <laughs> my first phone was uh, my friend's dad's a car phone, and it was basically something that he uh, didn't have to use anymore. I couldn't use it; okay. I didn't have a SIM card for it. But it was just cool walking around with that brick of a of a battery. They um, were huge. I think I really think Mike
2: had. Lynn remembers those ones, right? I think they, they...
1: I had one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: so i did too i don't know if that dates me i, I doubt it well least... the fact that you've called it a car phone i mean this yeah. is this is the thing right you know yeah. we they were all car phones at the very beginning yeah, yeah. they weren't mobile phones
0: it's funny in danish you say a uh, bill telephone and for a mobile phone you say mobile telephone so you can actually i don't know it sounds almost the same mobile or "bil", <laughs> like a car phone. I mean, where, did, where did you grow up uh, I grew up in a small uh, suburb uh, outside of Roskilde. Uh, Roskilde is a—it's a town. It's like half an hour's drive from uh, Copenhagen.
2: Has mm. a famous rock festival there, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's a great festival. It's, uh, I've been there—I uh, think maybe twenty-nine times or some, something. Oh right wow! Pretty. Like. <laughs> no. my, my dad has a tattoo on his arm with like the the canopy, and then uh, a stripe for every time he's been. Um, <laughs> You didn't follow no. suit. You didn't go no, down no, no, that road no, no. yourself. No. no, I think once you go into tattooing, then you need to get a lot more. I think it's like either you do it or you don't. What do you think, mm. Mike?
1: Well, you know, before we go any further, I, I do kind of want to ask you how you got into into technology, into software development.
0: I, I think I got interested as a teenager. I had a cousin that was uh, building a, a startup, and I started just playing around. I think. I was just a very early in my teens. Uh, we started messing around with uh, geocities.com, just uh, doing small, mm-hmm. uh, funny websites, uh, jokes online. And then I started learning to steal snippets of JavaScript. It was called a DHTML, Dynamic HTML, back in the days. <laughs> <neighborhood. I never laughs> yeah, and I basically stole it off websites if there was like a cool menu, drop-down menu I, I really loved. And then I stole the JavaScript and I tried to basically distill it by... Mm-hmm taking each line and deleting it. I, I couldn't read JavaScript, so I just deleted a line and if it was still functioning, then uh, I would uh, <laughs> leave the line out. And then if I broke it, I would put the line back in and go to the next line and delete it. And uh, so that was basically how I, I started understanding the syntax, but that was just super painful. I think mm. like, I was not, I didn't understand English good enough to actually read a manual, so it was just mm-hmm. trial and error all the way. And I think that's stuck with me in general. Like I I try it out first and then I read the manual afterwards.
2: Mm. I I think that's really interesting because I was talking to a young developer the other day and, you know, I I don't know. And I, I do know because I remember it being very hard and you needed manuals, but, you know, how we ever did anything before Stack Overflow mm-hmm. and websites to go look up things. It's it, it, And I really love that idea that you were deleting lines of code to see what the effect of deleting lines of code. And that's the beautiful thing about web, you know, you just right click and view source and yeah. you, you once can I, see how Once I made learned it.
0: that, uh, I was off to the races.
2: <laughs> yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So then I basically,
0: there's a lot of history in this, but like I, I started a, a company with a guy that I learned to know from... Uh, playing counter-strike online and we basically started a company he was two years older than me so he could legally start a company but (laughs) i couldn't and then we just did websites for clans counter-strike clans and local businesses and then high school happened and then i studied computer science at university i started a consultancy back in 2012 and that was before i graduated two years after we did a merger and then i left the company in 2017 so that was i guess like couple of years of consulting before i i went there uh, with the realm and i actually like that a lot that i had a chance to do consultancy before i came to a company like this uh, i think that's the same history you have uh, my chain
2: yeah I, and i i i would i would share that history and and you know it's it's nice and it's varied and and you get a lot of exposure right to different technologies and different tech mm. stacks and stuff but also, you know, I, I, the one thing that frustrated me was when the job was done. The job was done, and you yeah. you kind of go, "No, I'd like to do a bit more." I think there's a, you know, there's a version two here. There's a version two point one, and yeah, yeah. I, I think that's quite frustrating. So, being part of a product company, it's good because you can iterate on that vision and that longer term view, right? I,
0: I agree. Uh, I think we we did something interesting where we uh, we basically. We said to our customers, they were more like larger organizations and and often they were government funded in a way. They were not necessarily government institutions, but it was museums and the Danish Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, They had no need for their source code to be closed. So we did open source projects only. And that way we could basically take this work that we did with a particular museum and we could take it to another museum and ask for their funding to keep on developing. Aha, so that way we could yeah, actually stick with yeah. the projects over time. In
2: an okay. And that so was each client funded the next, you know, each new yeah. client kind of funded the growth of the software that you were building. Yeah,
0: exactly. And we, we tried to to do projects and, and like basically products that would, uh, where we would gather a community around and, and have them organize how they would be funding it over time. And I think, I still think that's a great idea. It's a, there's a huge potential in that, but I think I, I mostly, I, I wanted to try something else, but... At that point in time, we also wanted to move abroad. You know, my wife, uh, now wife, we were not uh, married at that point, and I'm uh, going be, uh, sorry, at that point, Realm had had an office uh, abroad. They had multiple offices around the world uh, as well, but in San Francisco in particular. And then life happened. I got twins at
2: some point, and then uh, now we. Uh. Great. So, so you joined Realm in 2017, but but over in San Francisco
0: no well actually i never really traveled over there like uh, okay. i started here and we wanted to transfer in on a visa to get the, the proper documents but we never really transferred in because uh, i got the girls uh, that's one reason but also i don't know it was just not that big of a priority once we once i, I got started here uh, and also there was like a there was a realm was in a very turbulent time uh just before the acquisition uh like a half a year before mm-hmm. so
2: uh, where basically the, the engineering part of the SF office almost went away. Yeah. So, so tell us about the time of the acquisition. There was a couple previous um, on the podcast who were there as well, too. But hmm. it's interesting to see, you know, how it affects people and, and the changes. You know, we we see it from time to time. In, all the time, nearly actually, in the software industry, larger companies acquiring smaller companies for yeah. the people, for the resources, for the IP, for their tech stack, etc. So, how how did it affect you at the time, and you know what has changed since then? It's
0: it's definitely interesting. Like I, mm, it was when we first heard of it. It was very much the feeling of wow, now we're going to get swollen. Like it's a big beast coming for us. It's, <laughs> we hope it's going to be okay, right? You don't know. You know sure. what you have, but you don't know what you're going to get. But I was very pleas- pleasantly surprised uh, to learn how much MongoDB has it together for their employees, to be honest. I was very surprised that... So basically, the story is one week after the acquisition was finalized, I, because I had the build-up tenure, I guess it's called, mm-hmm. from... Mm-hmm. My time at, at Realm, I was considered a, a, a full MongoDB employee, and I was actually able to, one week after the acquisition uh, finalized, to go on a paternity leave for 18 weeks, just straight wow. on, right? Mm-hmm. That was, uh, and, and I just got that benefit uh, just because we got acquired, and I think that they actually allowed that for somebody that just got on board with an acquisition. I think that was pretty cool, and... I would say just on a on a personal level, like afterwards, um, we've been very autonomous uh, in the co- company, but at, at the same time also, I've been very happy to see that, like Michael, now I see you in a Realm sh- shirt, right? We we kept the a lot of the stuff that I liked about Realm was uh, also the visual identity and the branding around that, and I think that was really that was really good that that you kept that as well uh, for so long at least. So embracing yeah, I mean, us. I-
1: yeah, and I think that's it. That's a great word, embracing. I think, you know, from early on in talks with with Elliot and, and really the rest of the the team here at MongoDB, it's it's really been you know an, a great appreciation for the technology that Realm brought to the table. And you know, we we talk about this from time to time. You know, the overlap between what we were trying to do mm-hmm. with in the mobile space and what had already been done by Realm, and yeah. it's just such a such a great marriage. So yeah, go ahead. I'll say also just this
0: experience of of the developers that were working on the mobile offering you had before joining up with us, teaming up actually is basically moving to Copenhagen for a lot of these people, Mm -hmm. uh, for extended periods of of, of time. And I think that was a a very nice gesture basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. So the acquisition happened at an interesting time in your life. Right around the time when your your daughters came along, talk a little bit about you know being able to take that time off, and what was that transition like for you? You know, go. I, I assume these are your first children. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the,
0: the two girls. Yeah. So I, I've got twins now, and they're three years old. Uh, so it's great. They were just around that um, time, and I think I I just had a lot of support uh, from my my manager and uh, everyone around me, I think I was able to to go on first off the paternity leave. But then after that, I scaled down and uh, I was first off like working from home three three days a week. And I was also scaling down, becoming a, a part time employee uh, mm-hmm. at 25 uh, uh, hours a week. And I've been like that since, since then until this actually September. I I uh, moved up to thirty hours per week just because I realized that I was actually working a lot more than <laughs> than what my contract said. But I think just this this thing about like being able to embrace that 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 family happens and and I want to be able to be there for my kids when they're young and being supported in that. I I think that was really good. I don't know how to be honest. I actually don't know how much that happens in MongoDB, but I think that we are able to do it, and I, I think that's just a a great, um, testament to, to how much MongoDB has put their employees uh, center as well as their customers and all that stuff. But uh, as, a, mm-hmm. as an employee, yeah, I think uh, that's really nice. Uh,
2: that the, you know, in the, you know, COVID came along, I, mm-hmm. I know I joined the company in January, 2020. So two months later after, mm-hmm. thankfully two trips to Copenhagen and, and mm-hmm over to new york to kind of cement some of these relationships you know covid came along and and i think you know that has accelerated most companies thoughts about you know what is working working is not the workplace working is what people do and i think it's very easy now to understand you know having come through all of this when you have really really good motivated people who are, you know, and everybody I meet across the organization is incredibly intelligent, incredibly bright, you know, that the barriers to creating great work and collaborating together have really, really come down. And the flexibility that you say, Crane, and being able to do 25 now grown to 30 hours and, and still manage things is, is superb. And, and it, I think it's very refreshing to hear this and it's also very refreshing, I think, still to see, you know, uh, Zooms being interrupted by children in the background and, yeah. and dogs and cats and things like that as well.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really nice to see that people are human and uh, to feel that you also get
1: uh, encouraged to be human. Yeah. The recognition that we are all human. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So the size of, um, I suppose we talked about the acquisition, you know, and we know that the Realm engineering team overall has grown hugely as well too. So uh, you talked about the acquisition and how overall the Realm team has grown. Um, Talk to us about where the JavaScript team are and who's on the JavaScript team and whereabouts are they race? Yeah. So
0: the Realm test team is currently four people, Andrew, Frank, me, and Kenneth. And Andrew is in uh, Germany, but the... We, Frank and uh, Kenneth and me, we are in, uh, close to Copenhagen. And we also recently had a new hire. He's based out of London.
1: So, okay. So we have a, a good idea about the size of the team. Let's talk a little bit about the technology and, and maybe for for folks that might be joining this episode as their first in the series, uh, maybe Crane, could you explain what Realm is and, and then maybe dive into the JavaScript SDK from there? For sure.
0: So I think uh, it's crucial to understand that first off, Realms inception, like the, the the core idea is that Realm is a mobile database. And it's a mobile database that's very intuitive for the people using it because it's not wrapping some other tabular database or some other store. It's basically as a programmer you the way you interact with it is you get objects, you store data and properties, and you basically use it as, as you would be using any other object that is there runtime. And that's a very different way of working with the database than what we're used to. On top of that, we also we have an offering where you can synchronize your data between devices. And it uses the same underlying local database in, in your phone, but now you, you just enable synchronization. And it's literally five lines of code that you need to add, and then you start synchronizing. Um, you synchronize to this using Realm Sync to, to a platform, and that data gets into um, MongoDB Atlas. Realm used to have another uh, server component, but now we switch to using Atlas, uh, which makes a lot more sense. We were actually running the mobile database on servers, and it was not built for that. So uh, it's much better to use uh, Atlas.
1: So uh, on the back end, we've got we've got an, an Atlas, a MongoDB database. That is catching the synchronizations from the mobile devices, which have the mobile realm database on them. Mm, right? Yeah, correct. And so, build around that uh, the service,
0: if you can say it's it's much it's much more than just the the atlas part. We also have well, because when you're doing something like that, like synchronizing from a client to a server, you want to enforce uh, rules on on what data can can go in and. Uh, who can actually access what. And you also want to perhaps trigger events of the data, like if somebody adds a document, maybe you want to clean it up, maybe you want to store some other data somewhere else, Uh, maybe you want to request some external service. And all those things uh, is orchestrated by the Realm Application Services that live Mm -hmm. next to, to Realm Sync on the server side. So there are functions, triggers. There's also, actually, there's a, service that will allow you to do CRUD operations on the Mm -hmm. Atlas cluster uh, the same way that you would use a regular, let's say the the Node.js driver, but because you don't want to allow every client in the world, like we're talking about code that executes on your your user's devices, you don't want to give them permission to do whatever query or whatever insertion into your database. So you can use this remote uh, MongoDB service to basically filter and apply permissions before, uh, those modifications happen to the, to the cluster.
2: The realm ecosystem we've got, we've got to cater for all you know mobile developers and web developers. So we've got a number of SDKs. So where does the JS SDK fit in within that? How has yeah. it been used? What type of apps are usually built using the JS SDK? Yeah. So I think uh, that's, that's maybe the, the point
0: where. Uh, My conversation is a little different from uh, the other conversations Mm -hmm. you've had. Our main focus, I would say, is React Native. Because we are a mobile database, we want to cater to mobile developers first off. So that's going to be React Native, and we're primarily focusing on on Android. And I know that there's a lot more momentum currently happening uh, around running React Native apps on Macs and Windows as well. So that's definitely also something we are uh, interested in, but currently we, we support iOS and Android. And uh, Mac, when you run it as a Catalyst app, but that's it. Yeah, so that's React Native. And then the other side is Node.js, and that can be used if you have, a let's say, a server-side component or a Raspberry Pi, or it, it can also power Electron-based apps as well. So that's got
1: to be desktop apps. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, built for Windows, Linux, or, I, sorry, or Mac. You typically run JavaScript on the client. Obviously, there's a, there's a server-side implementation, Node.js. And where is the database? Let's say I'm a, I'm a developer. I have an idea for an app. I want to run Realm as my database. I want to use the Realm object database. So I'm plugging away and I'm developing using Node.js. I want to incorporate Realm. I'm thinking that I can use the, the Realm JavaScript SDK, and begin to manipulate objects for my application. Hmm. And, and now I'm still on the back end, I'm still using Node.js running on a server. My question is, where is the, where's the database? It, are you manipulating objects, caching them, storing them on the, on the, the server side, or is it, is it writing to a database in Atlas or?
0: I would say using the Realm.js SDK on a server is I would say it's a niche use case. It's not our primary use case. Like the primary use mm-hmm. case would be mm-hmm. React Native, but mm-hmm. using the Node.js, like, because you could use the Node.js MongoDB driver instead on a server, yeah. that would be yeah. the obvious choice, but you can also use uh, Realm. Let's say that you have a, say you're hosting a web server on a spotty connection, that maybe you're on a on a ship and you're mm-hmm. hosting a service, then that would be a good choice. A mobile database um, like that, because as you said, uh, the data is stored cached locally on the disk of the server before it's getting synchronized to the Atlas instance.
1: That's the real value, right? I mean, it's this offline first mentality. Yeah, and I and I don't want to have to be concerned about writing the logic behind what objects in my database to sync and when, and and dealing with the mismatches and. Uh, all of the synchronization synchronization issues that, that that come with writing an offline first app, right
0: yeah, of course, I just said Realm sync as a as it was something simple uh, it's not at all like uh, well from a consumer's <laughs> point of view it is but <laughs> Realm sync is 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 definitely a, a complex uh, piece of the machinery conflict automatic conflict resolution and and all that stuff. it's really good. I have to say that, so, but I also feel that. <laughs> <laughs> like the first time I, I built, a, I also built a Realm Studio, which is the UI for uh, browsing Realm databases. Um, it used to be able to open synchronized realms. So you would just point it to a server and you could open up the Realm. The first time I experienced synchronizing between a device on my in my hand up to a server and back to the UI of my studio instance, that was amazing. Like I was just... Like, that was really really cool it felt mm-hmm. really
2: great and and studio was an electron app right yeah that's correct yeah used to run jssdk uh, it's an electron app so so we're, we're using our own products to build our own tools which is always which is always good in my book this episode is brought to you by
1: mongodb.local mongodb.local is a great event that's coming to london on november 9th It's a uniquely hybrid experience offering education, exploration, and entertainment. Curated for those joining live in person at Evolution London, live from home, or on demand on your own schedule. You can visit mongodb.link slash londonlocal to get more information and register today. And if you're planning on being there at Evolution London, make sure you stop by the podcast booth and say hello.
2: You mentioned, obviously, React Native, Node.js, Electron. But, you know, JavaScript being widely adopted across many different frameworks, you 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 know, we have others out there, Ionic and Expo and Angular, etc. How, how do you manage to build an SDK that has so many possibilities of use by a developer? RunJS is
0: a, is a repository of two implementations side mm-hmm. by side. Uh, it's not how we ideally wanted it to be, but that's what the technical limitations you can say is. We have Realm.js on one side. It's built on top of uh, uh sorry. We have Realm.js on one side, it's built on top of Realm Core, which is mm-hmm. a C uh, library that we built uh, on top of. And that have it has the, the mobile database and uh, sync capabilities and all that stuff. On the other side, we also have Realm Web, which is a pure TypeScript implementation of the client for the application services that I talked about before. That's functions and uh, the MongoDB CRUD API uh, authentication, all that stuff. stuff. So, and those two are actually parallel implementations that we're maintaining. So you were asking about how we, how do we support, so on, on web, we have this pure TypeScript implementation that could compile to or transpile to JavaScript and run there. It doesn't support sync uh, yet, it mm-hmm. doesn't support a an object database, but we're We want to look into that, and we are also doing experiments around compiling the core C++ library to a WebAssembly module and consuming that uh, as a Mm -hmm. part of this uh, this thing. That's one direction we're going in. On the other hand, Realm.js, we uh, implement our library most, like the vast majority is written in C++. It's consuming multiple JavaScript runtime engines. We are supporting V8 through the NAPI. And we also uh, consuming and supporting uh, JavaScript core, which was the standard uh, JavaScript engine in, in React Native. And now that Hermes is along uh, this new JavaScript engine, mm-hmm. we also recently, and that's what I've been working on for the last one and a half uh, months, at least rewriting or implementing a new, against a new abstraction, the, the JSI abstraction, JavaScript interface. Which basically means that we will be supporting um, Hermes and JavaScript Core when running on on the React Native uh, platform. We have uh, two two alpha releases out now that that actually does support Android and iOS uh, mm. uh, when running with Hermes.
1: I'm super curious about about Hermes and can you share any details around the performance metrics of Realm running against the Hermes engine?
0: So to be honest, our Implement like our current implementation is. We've been very focused about getting green tests like functionally passing, and we haven't been focused on optimizing our our way of doing that. So there were some corners that got cut, uh, cut, and and that's something that we that we also need to to invest more in uh, like the quality of that implementation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not production ready in that sense. So I can't really speak to the performance because it's honestly it's not something we've really thoroughly tested. But there are benefits to the way. That we are bootstrapping the library on on Android, for example, we are implementing currently the the turbo modules, which means mm-hmm. that our library is gonna be load like our library code is gonna be in, instantiated or it's gonna be initialized uh, when it's being used, and not on app startup time, as it used to be. Uh, that means if you only have a screen like three pages down in your app that uses Realm, it's it's only gonna be loading then and not and that so that's basically cutting off uh, a lot of time in your startup i think Hermes in general uh, it's been reported that it's way faster in startup time in general uh, it's also because they there's part of the runtime that they're not they're not implementing so it's it's not a general purpose a javascript environment necessarily it's it's very specific to the needs that uh, that uh, a react uh, app needs mm-hmm. basically
2: need to that but uh, i think facebook can talk more about humus than i can <laughs> so you, that's in alpha at the moment so if you want to get it you you can get it and by the time this podcast comes out we hopefully maybe are further on down the line i mean what mm-hmm. not without any dates and we won't commit you to anything now yeah. but is it is it Month, two months? Is it? Is it next year? It's, it's and...
0: near. It's it's our top. And you can just you can try it out. Do npm install realm at hermes, and then you're gonna get the alpha release. And you need to use that with the currently you need to use it with the latest release candidate version of React Native. There mm-hmm. were some issues that we needed to have fixed before we could actually do our implementation properly. So um, Facebook has been really good. Uh, the Facebook engineers has been very responsive in in that and uh, fixing.
2: Uh, issues as, as we saw them come along. So that's been really good. You mentioned there the, the JSI and uh, the JavaScript interface. This is, yeah. you know, so uh, always what, you know, at the level that the engineering teams work at, I'm always amazed at how you keep up with, you know, emerging trends <laughs> Yeah, different mm-hmm. technologies, you know. What's you're working with breaking technologies all the time, as does our advocacy team. We try to to keep ahead of things as well, too. But it, it must be super hard to keep abreast of, of developments. Where do you go to learn yourself, Crane? How do you how do you keep on top of what's going on in the ecosystem in general? I, I think
0: I think what I do is I, I spend time with people that are smarter than me and uh, just have big ears, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not afraid to spark up a side. conversation. I also like asking stupid questions uh, to have somebody provoked enough that they actually tell me how the world looks from their perspective. So I think I think that's one part of it. I don't want to, I'm not spending too much time. I, I've tried, I have a Twitter profile, like I've tried doing that, follow some people, but it just becomes like a wall of text for me. I, I can't really decipher what is actually important, what is not important right now. So I I rely heavily on, on the filter of other people to, to basically tell me in the news uh, when it happens. That that's the same for like news in general, what happens in mm-hmm. the real world as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I don't go watch uh, the news that much. I try to stay away from that. I think that I like to see myself as like a T-shaped uh, developer, right? So we have a broad knowledge of a lot of things and specialized knowledge in specific areas uh, where you really can go super deep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not necessarily important to be on every that's out there, like if you have like a vague knowledge of this train is moving somewhere in that direction, it's going to take time before it gets adoption and I just learned that a lot of times I can, I can pretty quickly get my head around a new technology if I deem it's worth my time and energy. Mm-hmm. So I think just having like a, like a broad perspective of things, knowing where like where things are going, and then dive in. If there's something I really want to learn, I'll take out a week to really nail it and understand it and, and put in the time and energy to to really understand it.
1: And, you know, I'm reminded of the old saying that, you know, if you chase two rabbits, you rarely catch one. So, you know, kind of focusing, <laughs> focusing yeah. is a good thing.
0: But I'm also in the, in the in that sense, I'm, I am a broad developer. Like I, I used to do like web development and now I'm doing mobile and I've done consultancy, a, like I'm a scrum master certified and I've done that a lot. And, it's I do have I do wear many hats and I also like wearing many hats but I still that I still think it's possible to to dive deep in many areas actually if you if you dedicate yourself recently like I've been programming C++ on and off since uh, high school but I never really took the time to learn it actually to be honest and I recently uh, read a crash cook uh, crash course C++ uh, book and spent just the time and energy that needed was needed to, to really nail it and, and I think I I've been I've become a lot better at writing C.
1: So we talked about the sources of information and, and where you look to get to stay up to date. What about the community? Do, do you engage in the in the realm community still and are you active in the forums?
0: I am, yeah. We have Slack channels uh, that will basically write every time somebody uh, uh, writes a post uh, in the realm namespace or with the realm, realm tag, and I read all those and I also I also dive in and uh, get uh, into conversations try to answer some of the, the questions especially in the in the stuff that I build other folks
1: that are listening that may maybe they've they're diving in and have some questions where do they go to interact with the Realm community
0: currently uh, there would be a forum that uh, mongodb sorry would be the community forums but they are on community.mongodb.com. and uh, we're trying to, to stay active as well in, in various other communities um, like Discord channels. There's a, good, uh, there's a good React Native Discord channel for contributors, and there's also the Reactify uh, Discord. I think the community.mongodb.com is a good starting point. Uh, there's a good uh, lot of resources, and other people have asked questions that, that you might also be asking. So there's some, some history there. I think if you have a problem or a feature request, uh, GitHub is, is always uh, available. Uh, on our repository and we're very welcoming to to people that try to to get a feature at least we try to yeah i think that would be the the major sources of of places to to get out
2: and i think and, and by all means this is a plug i suppose too is that now that the you know world is opening up again to both the advocacy team and indeed some of the the Realm engineers are at conferences and events and, and hopefully meetups as well too, which is a superb place to try to engage. And if not only to hear what the latest trends are and what we're building and how we're going about that, but it's it's all the, it's the hallway conversations. It's the lunch queue conversations. And I think as, as you know, as we get back to normality, I hope that this will become commonplace, you know, that you will see people with Realm t-shirts wandering around at events and conferences near you as well too. I agree,
0: that's uh, that's something I'm looking very much forward to. And also something we we are actively looking into getting getting opportunities to to actually talk about this. But we have also been in situations here where we wanna we wanna get that Hermit support, we wanna get that those new features that we can brag about, right? Realmjs has has been around for a long, long time. We have had I think I'm I'm gonna look at this, we have like ninety-four contributors to the to the repository. Wow. so it has wow. it has history, right mm-hmm. and we also in in that sense it' it's it's been a code base that has changed a lot, and we have some some stuff that we need to get in order and we're doing that mm-hmm. finally, you can say so I'm gonna be very happy to to come out and and talk about for example the hermes support or our new project we're working on like better react integration providing uh, for example a hooks based API. Uh, into Realm, which is something that, for a React Native first library, is interesting that we we haven't had that. But it's basically because we've been around since before hooks, so that's why we're we're adding that now. Yeah.
2: Wow! So your 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 team is 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 busy, and I, I know that feeling. You want to go out there and extol the virtues of what you've built, but you want to make sure that it gets received well by the developer community as well too. And as you say, it's a movable feast, new features, new functions, uh, new frameworks to support as well too. So. You know, you mentioned there Hermes has taken a lot of the team's time. React integration, better React integration coming up, and and the hooks API. That sounds superb. Yeah,
0: the the initial reaction we've got on 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 GitHub specifically on the on the pull requests for adding Hermes has been very very positive, and people can't wait to to really get their hands on this. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to uh, to seeing the community's uh, reaction as they start shipping those apps as well and uh,
2: getting the benefit from from the work we've put in so this has been superb and I think we could probably go on equally as long again getting deep into the woods as to what you've been building but I, I'm super impressed I need, you know with the breadth and the you know everything that you guys are taking care of in the realm SDK team and it's 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 superb and you know the integration with the community and 94 people have been you know working on the GitHub project there as well is superb. So to wrap up what we'd like, you know, I think first of all, from my point of view, uh, a plug here again is to join the realm Global community. If you're looking to pick up any of our meetups that we run, uh, which is usually one or two a month, join the realm Global community, which is just uh, community.mongob.com again go in there, and as soon as we add a new event, you automatically get emailed about it. Now, we do it across all the SDKs. So you may be an iOS developer, so you're looking out for our Cocoa team and what they're doing, but we will certainly have events here for, for the JS team coming up as well, too, and, and they are very informal, and we like to bring our audience on screen live uh, to ask their own questions, either from the advocates or mostly from, actually, the engineers who put together the SDKs that, that our developers are using. So that's superb. But outside of that, Crane, where where else can people go? Um, and how you're on Twitter, you mentioned earlier, so how can they find you? What's your Twitter handle? And, and tell us a little bit more about what we could do for anybody who's interested to try out all of the new things that your team have been building.
0: Yeah, so folks are very welcome to, to follow me on Crane uh, Hansen. It's a K-R-A-E-N Hansen. And I'm not posting too much, to be honest, but if you follow me, I, I guess we can DM or whatever. If, if there's some specific so questions cool. that you have, or just, just just tweet me. I think that that's a good point. Otherwise, GitHub, I think, is a good source of... I like that you can you know, reference code, structure your examples, uh, structure your, your code snippets. So I think I like that part about it. Yeah, and otherwise, the community, the MongoDB forum. Definitely, you can also tag me there, and I'm going to be uh,
1: reading that as well. Shane, thanks so much for bringing Crane. And Crane, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Super. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Shane for leading the discussion with Crane. And thanks to Crane for joining us and telling us all about the JavaScript SDK. If you want to get started with MongoDB Atlas or MongoDB Realm, head on over to cloud.mongodb.com. You can start for free. No credit card required. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share. Consider leaving a rating and some feedback on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Have a great day.